Hey everybody, welcome back to Quick Take. I'm your host, John Sherrod, and we're here to give you some bite-sized podcast nuggets about the world of Apple. And uh, the topic I wanted to bring up first uh, on this episode of the show is uh, there's some new Android phones that have been announced recently, and they seem to be embracing the notch. That term, embrace the notch, uh, kind of made its way through Apple fan community circles after the iPhone X came out. Um, because uh, Apple seemed to be not hiding from the iPhone X's notch. And just to be clear what I'm talking about, if you look at the iPhone X, it has that really beautiful edge-to-edge display, that edge-to-edge only being marred by the top where there's a little sensor housing that cuts into uh, the otherwise edge-to-edge screen uh, where the the phone's... uh, uh, speaker, the, the earpiece is where the camera is, etc., and some other sensors. Um, and uh, that is been effectually, affectionately referred to as the notch. And, uh, you know, Apple s- seems to have fully embraced the notch because even if you look at the silhouette icon that they have for the iPhone X, it shows that notch cut away. Um, and this kind of stands in contrast to when uh, the iPhone first got the camera bump, those initial phones that had that. Apple really seemed to kind of try to downplay that in marketing materials where they would sort of uh, have the iPhone at an angle where you couldn't really see that. And as time has gone on, they've gone away from that and and they're not attempting to hide that. It's just become a normal uh, facet of the iPhone and and, and indeed many other smartphones have a similar camera bump on the back. Whereas with the the iPhone X's notch, um, you know, right from the beginning, Apple made no effort to hide it. Um, I wouldn't say they're proud of it, but they certainly um, know it's a recognizable and in some ways kind of iconic um, thing about the look, distinctive of the look of the iPhone X. And so that Embrace the Notch uh, topic came out. And it was also a topic uh, for developers who, you know, in creating apps for the iPhone, you you know, some developers could you know, write the app, design the app in such a way that they put black bars on either side of that. And and Apple was kind of saying, nope, you know, embrace the notch, let your app truly go, you know, edge to edge as much as the design allows, that sort of thing. Um, So, you know, and and Apple wasn't the first uh, phone maker to to have something similar. The first thing I can think of is is the Essential uh, Android phone um, that had something similar. Um, It had a a smaller kind of camera notch at the top, but it also had more of a big bezel at the bottom, so it wasn't as, as fully edge-to-edge as, as the iPhone X screen is now, uh, is either. Um, but we've seen, uh, just in the last several days, uh, f- several new uh, Android uh, smartphones come to market that actually have uh, a notch that looks very similar to what's on the iPhone X. And, uh, you know, w- one of my things is I, I never am, am ever interested in playing the who-had-what feature first or who's copying who first thing. Um, I, I, I just find that in general, that topic, it just comes down to juvenile, you know, playground back and forth type insults. Um, it's just not something that I'm interested in a whole lot. You know, obviously I think everybody, if you're a, a fan of one particular tech company, or the other, you want to think of your, your, you know, your favorite company as being innovative. And I think Apple and Samsung and lots of other tech companies are, are innovative companies. So I just don't get all that interested in, in who's copying from who. I mean, even, you know, Steve Jobs famously, you know, used the quote, you know, good artist copy, great artist steal or something along those lines. So I yeah, just don't have a whole lot of interest in that. But it is interesting to see um, the wider smartphone, um, you know, market kind of embracing that technology. But one thing or, or that design rather, but one thing about it that really struck me is that uh, all the ones that I've seen so far of the Android smartphones that have the notch 
also have a big uh, bezel at the bottom. In other words, again, if you look at the iPhone 10, it's not that it has no bezel, but it has a very thin bezel that's uniform in thickness all the way around the phone. Again, the notch is the only thing that breaks up that edge-to-edge display look, whereas um, every single one of the Android phones that I've seen uh, that have the notch design also have a big bezel at the bottom, and, and I find that really interesting. It, it, it's, it seems like it's, it's one of a couple of possibilities. Either um, th- these phone makers, just for whatever reason, can't at this stage uh, create a phone that truly goes edge-to-edge with the display, or for some reason they've chosen to keep it for some other reason. Uh, I saw one person suggest that maybe they wanted to have a, a you know a touch sensitive unlock thing kind of like touch id which apple abandoned in favor of face id uh, so i guess it's it's certainly possible there's some practical reason like that um but i do think this may be the kind of thing where we we may be seeing an advantage that apple has right now in terms of being able to in terms of the display design and truly being able to make that display go edge to edge that that uh, it's certainly possible that other companies are struggling to match. And, and if that's the case, it won't always be the case. Of course, these other companies will certainly figure that out now. So it's more of a point of interest uh, than anything else. Uh, but, but if it is the sort of thing where they're adding the notch, uh, but keeping the bezel at the bottom for whatever reason, uh, you know, that, that just uh, kind of, that, that just kind of smacks of kind of a me too type design, where they're saying, well, we see that this, what the iPhone 10 has with the notch is a distinctive design and we want to have it too. You know, uh, er, you know, the, the notch is something that I'm certain that Apple would prefer that they not have. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that if Apple had the technical capability right now to have a phone that truly went edge to edge and, and was able to hide all those sensors and, and the speaker and those sorts of things where they were completely invisible behind the screen, I think that was, I think everyone would agree that would certainly be. Um, you know, the end goal of that kind of design, that unbroken edge-to-edge display. But right now, it's just not technically feasible. And, and I don't know who's going to be the first to do it, whether it'll be Apple or some other company, but surely that's what uh, all of them are striving for eventually. Um, but, you know, if, if you're going to, you know, what we saw last year when the iPhone ten came out was a lot of competitors were trying to go as edge-to-edge as possible. And, and because they couldn't for a variety of reasons, including the fact that you have those sensors along the top, uh, it seemed like uh, most of the Android phones that were getting close to that were were kind of going with full bezel at the top, full bezel at the bottom. Whereas this year, it seems like they're going full bezel at the bottom, notch at the top. And I find that interesting. That just that just to me strikes me as, you know, again, the iPhone 10 has a distinctive design with the notch. Let's try and go after it. So I found that fascinating. And uh, of course, we'll kind of see how this goes. It'll be interesting to see. Um, if, if, if this falls update to the iPhone line, um, you know, again, they're, they're still going to have the notch. I would be stunned if they found a way to get it around it completely at this point, but is it going to be any smaller, you know, just the notch shrink or does Apple keep the current design? And if so, is that a technical limitation or do they just like the overall shape given that they have to have a notch of some sort? And we'll certainly find out the answers to those questions soon enough. So that was all I had on that topic. The other thing is, is, um, more of a funny topic, although there's a creepy element to it as well. This was a story that I saw a couple of places today. Uh, BuzzFeed has a story about uh, Amazon's Alexa products. Of course, they have the, the Echo uh, products that, uh, the, you know, the little puck-sized things or, or the cylinder-sized thing for the, the bigger Echo speaker. 
Uh, I mean, they even have one with a little digital video display in it. But they have these little devices with their Alexa digital assistant, um, and they've been really going full bore after that. I think at this point, you know, Amazon is probably the leader in the digital assistant game, with, of course, Apple and Google with their own entrance into it as well. But there was a story going around about how people are, are experiencing this weird thing where their Alexa devices are just randomly laughing. <laughs> and uh, BuzzFeed has a couple of um, uh, posts that people put online about it, and I'll read a few of these out to you guys. The first one says... I was trying to turn off some lights, and they kept turning back on. After the third request, Alexa stopped responding and instead did an evil laugh. The laugh wasn't in the Alexa voice. It sounded like a real person. My wife was there when it happened, and she is the only person who can drop in. I still get chills. The next one uh, here says, The alarm came on this morning, every day at 7 a.m. However, we had the flu and was miserable. I told Alexa to turn off the alarm, and upon the second request, she gave us the most chilling witch-like laugh. I immediately jumped out of my bed as I've never heard such a laugh before. It scared the wife and my five-year-old so badly that we unplugged her, meaning Alexa. I checked for all comments on Google and couldn't find a similar phenomenon. Throughout the day, we would request for Alexa to laugh, and none of the WAV files are the same as the first one that we experienced. So that's kind of creepy. And then the last one I'll read here says, My wife and I keep our echo in the hall between our bedrooms and play lullabies on Pandora for our kids at bedtime. We say, Alexa, off. When we, when we go to bed a little after. Tonight, she laughed when prompted off. It was bone-chillingly creepy. I immediately unplugged her and searched for similar experiences. Still don't know what to think. Haven't tried to make her laugh yet. Might try and just tell myself that's what she heard, Alexa laugh, except she did turn, on, turn off music also. So, uh, this is certainly, that's creepy. If that happened to me, uh, I would find that creepy as well. Um, apparently Amazon uh, later reached out to BuzzFeed and, and, and said they're working on a fix and that they speculated that, um, that it's maybe too easy. Apparently if you say Alexa laugh, and and I apologize if you're listening and this actually triggers this on your echo device, but apparently if you say that phrase, um, that will trigger Alexa to make a laugh. And and it sounds like Amazon was at least suggesting that people were inadvertently making this happen by saying something that Alexa misinterpreted as, uh, as that, for example, that the last one I read, uh, they said they say Alexa off, and so you, you know it's not hard to imagine that um, that it misinterprets that and hears laugh instead. So that may be what's going on. And, and the Amazon quote went on to say that they were going to try to change the phrase so it wasn't quite as easy uh, for it to pick up. So maybe that's all it is, or maybe there's some other weird, creepy explanation for it. Uh, I think it. I you know I thought it was just interesting and kind of funny, um, but I think it does bring to light the um, privacy implications of having a device like this, um, whatever company it's from. The way these products work is that uh, you have it in your house, and it's listening all the time. I mean, it has, in other words, it has uh, microphones that are picking up speech all the time and processing it on the device to tell whether you're saying the passphrase that will then pass that information on to that other company servers and you just, you know, hope and pray when you have one of these that that, that it really is behaving that way and it's not abusing your privacy information. Um, but I just find devices, th- those kind of devices creepy to begin with. And, um, I, I don't let Siri off the hook on this either. Of course, you know, if you say, it, 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 you know, Siri's always listening for the phrase, Hey Siri, if you have that feature turned on, uh, so that it will then respond, uh, and, you know, answer whatever command that you give it in theory. And Apple says, you know, Apple has explicitly said that it never sends data to Apple until you say, you know, the phrase that triggers it. Uh, 
Um, and, and I'm sure that if you ask the other companies, they would probably say the same thing, whether, whether we're talking about Amazon with Alexa or Google with their smart assistant. But, uh, it, it, but you know, you are putting a lot of trust in these companies that they're not going to abuse that privacy. And uh, I personally don't have an Alexa or Google assistant device in my house because I just don't trust Amazon or Google. Now that doesn't mean I think they're bad or evil companies or anything like that. I think both companies on net do way more positive things than negative things um, and have just made all of our lives better. It's a net positive for mankind, to be honest with you. Um, but there are some things that I just don't trust those companies with and, and my privacy is one. So I, you know, I personally use very few Google services. I do use the Google web browser and a few other things, but I very consciously don't use a whole lot and I don't use, um, any of the smart assistant features from Amazon, even though I shop from Amazon all the time and love shopping on Amazon, um, use Amazon prime video streaming, et cetera. But that's just one line that I don't cross because I just find it kind of creepy in general. And I just don't trust those companies. And let me be very clear. I'm not here to tell you that you should trust Apple either. Uh, you know, again, this technology is kind of inherently creepy and it's inherently something where you're trusting them to do the right thing. However, you know, I do uh, personally have more trust in Apple on this than I do other companies. And part of that is because they have steadfastly over and over again, Apple has, you know, said that privacy is a major concern. Um, and I think that they back that up with uh, the uh, dispute they had with the FBI over iPhone privacy a couple years ago. And also, if you go to apple.com slash privacy, they have their privacy policy written out in very clear, easy to understand, uh, you know, English instead of some kind of legalese that you have to sort through and have, you know, and seem like you have to have legal training in. So I do appreciate that greatly about Apple. And my, my view on that with Apple is, is if they ever do do anything to violate user trust in a major way, then, you know, they will have put themselves in that trap because they have been so steadfastly and staunchly outspoken about user privacy as something that they value. So that's all I had for this week. Again, if you want to uh, send me a voice recording, you can do that. If you go and download the Anchor app from the App Store, uh, or the Google Play Store, you can actually record a voicemail and send it to me that I can actually include in a future episode. So if there's something you want to hear me discuss or you have a question, download the Anchor app and send it to me. Otherwise, you can reach me on Twitter at JWSherrod, S-H-E-R-R-O-D, and you can get in touch with me that way. And we'll see you next time.